everyone. This is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. I am beyond excited because today I'm sharing my interview with Claudia Ashani Wilson. She is an Iceland-based human rights lawyer and activist who moved from her home country of Jamaica to Iceland in 2001. When Claudia came to Iceland, she didn't speak Icelandic, nor had she been previously to law school. Through perseverance and a lot of hard work, she became fluent in the language and received her master's degree in 2014 in international human rights law from Reykjavik University. When Claudia passed the Icelandic bar examinations to become a district court attorney in Iceland, little did she know that she was blazing a new trail because that made her the first person outside of Europe to do that in Iceland which is a huge accomplishment. And we end up talking about that, of course, in the interview, because in my opinion, it's just so amazing that first of all, came here, did that, is practicing law, and not only is practicing law, but the type of law that she does, which is human rights law, is one about helping others and to help further our society, to help Iceland progress when it comes to equal rights. So it's just such a fantastic person. And of course, along with that, she's been very active in human rights initiatives, both with governmental and non-governmental organizations. She has served as the vice president for the Women of Multicultural Ethnicity Network. The acronym of that is WOMEN, which if you might recall, I did an interview with Nicole Lee Mosty, and she is the chairperson for that same organization. So of course they know each other. And as well as she's social activities coordinator for asylum seekers on behalf of the Red Cross and was appointed by the Ministry of Welfare to the Welfare Watch of Iceland. She currently sits on the Board of Representatives for SOS Children's Villages in Iceland, as well as the Boards of Amnesty International, Iceland Chapter, and the Icelandic Equality Fund. To add to her awesomeness, Claudia recently became partner at the law firm that she works at, or has been working at since 2013. She's a guest lecturer at United Nations University Gender Equality Studies and Training Program, the School of Business at the University of Iceland, as well as the School of Law at University of Iceland and Reykjavik University. Seriously, Claudia does a lot. And she is just one of those people that is so dedicated to learning, teaching, helping and progressing, like I mentioned, the society. And I'm just in awe of her. She's an amazing role model. And I'm just so happy to be able to bring her story to all of the listeners of the All Things Lesson podcast, because this, in my mind, is inspirational for everybody, no matter what your background is, no matter what you want to accomplish in life. I feel like she shows you that so much is possible And I hope that you take from this story, of course, the many points from her life that have been interesting and fascinating while living and experiencing life in Iceland, but also just for yourself. Like I mentioned, like so much is possible. I I know I walked away feeling inspired and motivated (laughs) to really just go for it and stop having any self-talk that might be limiting because a lot of the times that is what many of us come up against is limiting ourselves because our thought processes know that might not be possible. And I feel like her story is there's so much that's possible. Just allow yourself to imagine it or just live and do and maybe even you can achieve more than what you've ever imagined. 
Like many of my interviews recently, this one was done virtually as well, just because ISIN is still battling coronavirus and we're all trying to be careful. I'm hoping in the near future to be able to get back to in-person interviews because I miss those. So I apologize for any small noises that might be a little distracting, such as the nature of a virtual interview. But before I jump into the episode, I would like to remind you that I'm doing a a giveaway that is exclusive to my podcast listeners. There will be three lucky winners for the giveaway. I'm giving away specifically copies of Andre Snyder's books. The first is On Time and Water, which has to do with climate change, and it's his most recent publication. The second is my personal favorite book, which is Love Star. And the third is a copy of The Story of the Blue Planet, which the New York Times called, and I quote, a Susian mix of wonder, wit, and gravitas, end quote. While the story of the Blue Planet can be seen as a children's book, it is definite, it definitely appeals to adults. I think all of these books are great reads. I think Andre is one of those authors that can jump from genre to genre and still be really fascinating and has have his own voice shine through all at the same time. All you have to do to enter to win a book, which I will mail to you from Iceland to anywhere in the world where you live, is to leave a review for the All Things Iceland podcast. So you leave a review, take a screenshot of it, and then email it to me at jules at fromforeigntofamiliar.com. All of this will, of course, be in the show notes. My special review page, which is linked in the show notes as well, makes it super easy for you to review if you are listening via Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Stitcher, and CastBox. If you use another platform that I didn't mention and allows for reviews, please leave one there. And of course, take a picture of that, take a screenshot of that and send it to me. If you have already left a review for the podcast, all you need to do is screenshot that review and send it to me. Super simple. And I run the contest until January 29th. So coming up in a a few weeks. So good luck to everybody who decides to enter. Lastly, if you are a member of the All Things Iceland Patreon community and you leave a review, screenshot it and send it to me, you will receive an additional entry in the draw for the giveaway. So basically just being a member of the All Things Iceland Patreon community, get your name in the draw for a second time. And the members of the Ausgarder tier get a shout out on the podcast each month. So with that said, I'd like to give special thanks to Oliver, Julia, Paul, Noah, Betty, Melton, and Mark. Your support is very much appreciated. And for anyone who would like to join as a member of the All Things Iceland community on Patreon, the link is in the show notes. I do content there that I don't put up anywhere else, such as Folklore Friday, which I film a video and tell a folklore story that is put up every Friday that has to do with Iceland. I do ask me anything videos each month. I have live chat calls each month and I share special announcements and other types of content that I think would be really fun to share with my patrons. So it's really awesome to be able to interact with people on that platform. And of course, by being a member, you help to support the evolution of all things Iceland. Even a little bit goes a long way. And I'm very thankful for my patrons. I'd, I'd made them a special video before the end of 2020 to kind of give them a, an update on how all things Iceland has 
evolved just within the last six months. And like I mentioned, I'm I'm specifically just sharing it on that platform. So if you're curious about those kinds of things, behind the scenes type of information and all the other jazz that I mentioned, you can get access to all of that on Patreon. All right, so let's jump in to the interview. Claudia, thank you so much. I'm so honored and excited to do this interview. So thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Oh, thanks for the invitation. (laughs) There is so much for us to talk about in terms of how much you've been a pioneer and a trailblazer here in Iceland. But of course, everybody has their roots in terms of where they've come from. And it's always really interesting to kind of find out when a person is a foreigner that lives in Iceland where they're originally from, and how they ended up in the country. So if you don't mind sharing a bit of that story. (laughs) Yeah, it's quite an interesting story, but I'll give you the short version. Okay. Um, So I'm from Jamaica. I was born and raised in Montego Bay, Jamaica, which is like the tourist capital of Jamaica. Yeah. Um, But in the countryside, so we call that Upper St. James. And... um, I, we, I met my, uh, my, uh, ex-husband, <laughs> uh, via a mutual friend. Uh, basically we became pen pals. Oh. And we did that for a while. And then, long story short, here I am. <laughs> okay. And did you move to Iceland, like, permanently before mm-hmm. ever visiting Iceland? Yes, that's that's correct. Yeah, girl, so, you were brave. Okay, I know. So I was, I was even talking about that recently. Like the um, uh, the younger me was uh, probably extremely brave. Looking back, I don't think I would have been brave enough to do that. So I guess my uh, adventurous side was the younger me. <laughs> and excitement yeah exactly it's yeah. like all these yeah. emotions mixed together yeah, yeah. it's part and of that thinking that you're invincible when you're younger mm-hmm. I mean today you I try to tell my kids they're not but I guess I was there you yeah. know probably with similar mindset back then well Eisen is lucky that you came oh, and, you. <laughs> and I'm just wondering though when you got here I mean you're coming from Jamaica where it's warm all the mm-hmm. time different culture I mean granted they're both islands very very different islands so could you talk about any culture shock that you had like what was it like what what time of year did you come as well Mm -hmm. yeah so even that again just take into consideration that I was a very young girl and um, thought I knew everything and really didn't know much Um, I came to Iceland in December I know, right? Straight from Jamaica (laughs) to Iceland. Um, And that was quite quite the experience uh, because I don't think that anything could prepare me for walking into a refrigerator like a freezer and to understand that that was about to become my new normal. (laughs) And, and, um, yeah, so, you know... Uh, obviously, I'd never seen snow, and I know it may seem a little bit ridiculous to probably someone listening, um, where I would say that, you know, you see those romantic movies with, <laughs> with, with you know, people kissing in the snow, and it looks so mm-hmm. beautiful. And 
but you know, seeing that on TV versus being in the snow is obviously not the same thing. And I guess <laughs> my thought process didn't go that far. Yeah. <laughs> so I was very excited to, you know, experience being in the snow. And um, I recently did an interview where I, I spoke about this part of, of my first experience of snow, you know, that the sun was shining outside and I'd waited obviously because the day when I came, there was no snow. Mm. So I had waited a little bit for the snow to come and the sun was shining outside and the snow was out there. And I was like, yes, snow <laughs> and sun. So I put on my shorts and I opened the door <laughs> and I just kindly close it again. <laughs> Like, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess when the chills got to my legs, I'm like, oh boy, wait a minute. Yeah. No one told me that the sun in Iceland is just a decorative piece in the sky. <laughs> it has nothing to do with warming up the place. So it was, yeah. uh, it was, it was quite interesting. Um, and you know, yeah, so, <laughs> uh, just, just, you know, living through that this new experience of, of having snow and yeah. And the, yeah. And the darkness, that part too. I'm yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Dark. Yeah. That, that, that was also something to get used to for sure. Um, yeah. but, but funny enough, I felt, uh, which is a weird thing to say. And, and like, I feel better being in the cold rather than mm. I did when I was living in Jamaica in, in the, in the heat. Yeah, uh, I can handle being in the cold much, much better. Uh, when I go to Jamaica now, um, it's it's sometimes extremely difficult for me to be in the sun wow. all the time. Yeah, it sounds weird, and I'm not even making this up. It is hard for me being in, in too much heat for too yeah. long. I'm miserable, and um, but being in the cold, I'm fine with that. That's awesome. It's great yeah. that it's like that for you because there's so many people who have the opposite mm -hmm. problem. True. Or I mean, yeah. granted, Jamaica can be very hot, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. still, there are people who are like, I'd rather that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. You know, so that's absolutely. That's yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 And food-wise, and mm -hmm. like the mannerisms of people, because I've I've mm -hmm. heard often from many people that like. In warmer places, you have people who like hug each other more. They're more like mm -hmm. outwardly emotional or expressing themselves. And mm -hmm. then in colder climates, you have this kind of more standoffish. You know? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So were you yeah. experiencing that? Was that like any challenge for you? Yeah. So, so, you know, moving to, um, uh, this, you know, like moving to Iceland, new culture, new people and all of that. It was, yeah, it was a little different. Um, just how people were in general. Uh, you, people will smile for sure. Um, but you didn't get the sense that you would be, you know, you easily, um, taken into, uh, you know, certain circles or, mm. or, or easy to connect. Um, and what I've found out throughout the years, like it's something that I've always, uh, kind of given much thought. Uh, what I've come to realize is that uh, a lot of Icelandic people are extremely shy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they're very shy. And so, um, it might come off as being cold and distant. And, but when they, when you're actually, uh, when you get to know them or, you know, the people, uh, cause I can't generalize it. 
Yeah. I, I find that people who maybe have lived abroad are more open and, yeah. you know, more outspoken and so because they've experienced being elsewhere. But um, you have many people who haven't had that experience. And so they're more, um, you know, yeah, reserved in, in yeah, that sense. Yeah. Comes um, off as kind of rude, even if it's just like. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. I've I've had those kind of experiences, and one of the things that I think also has an impact is uh, some people are not extremely comfortable with having to speak another language, mm. and so you know um, there's this fear that if I engage in in conversation, then I might have to speak and you know speak in English for. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, of course, Icelandic people, many of them speak very very good. English um, or speak English well, but but uh, the there is I've seen that where some yeah. people or people even have expressed that that you know they they are afraid to have to to speak English yeah. for uh, extended period of time. So and maybe one final thought on that is um, sometimes because it's such a small country and then. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Icelandic, the immigration population is, uh, you know, like rapidly increasing, Mm -hmm. like it's growing real fast. And so this change, um, for, for many Icelandic people, they've formed their friendships since kindergarten. Right. And so you'll find that they are engaging with the same people from, you know, from being a toddler up to, yeah. you know, getting married and, and divorce or whatever happens in life. But and so it's sometimes hard to penetrate that mm. circle where, you know, you're coming uh, maybe as an adult to Iceland and trying to make friends with people who have already locked their circle. Mm-hmm. But I think over time that might change for sure. Um, as, as obviously the demographics is changing as well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what year did you come to Iceland? Yeah. So I came to Iceland in December 2001. And at okay. that time, the population was around maybe 3.1% immigrant, immigrant population. Yeah. Yeah. And now They're it's really almost small. 16, 16%. So yeah, just to put into context, there. yeah, just to put into context how fast it's growing and then how the, uh, you know, the um, native people have to adapt to that, you know, rapid change. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And were you seeing other people of color or black mm-hmm. people, were, you know, when you, where you were living <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah, interacting yeah, yeah, with? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So in my case, I, and I made, many people make fun of me for this, both Icelanders and, and immigrants alike. I moved straight from Montego Bay, Jamaica, to a small town outside of Reykjavik, maybe around 40 minutes drive, uh, called Selfus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I lived in Selfus for 10 years. For 10 for, years? Yeah. For, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I lived in Selfus for 10 years. So for a while, I was the black woman in the town. <laughs> so it's just... It sounds like a and little had... Britain skit, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I had the experience of people coming up to me in the grocery store, you know, can I touch your hair? Oh, can wow. I touch your skin? You know, and I've even had the experience of people 
um, going to a party and, and this was something to get used to as well, like house parties, you know, in Jamaica, it's the sound system in the middle of the street and the party <laughs> is there, <laughs> but going to a house party and then, you know, there's hardly any music, which in Jamaica, the focus is on the music mm. and people would be drinking and having fun. And I'm trying to understand what's happening here. Right. And I would find that, you know, or one particular experience I always remember, and that was in my early days of being here, was we. I was at a party, a house party, and uh, all the men, were, they were in one room and all the women in another room. Really? Uh, no, 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 like separate, separate uh, basically, yeah. when I say in another room, so in another section of the house. Uh, okay, okay. So yeah. they're, you know, people are having fun and they're talking and, but, you know, men are having their conversation and the women are having their conversation and dancing and talking and so on. And uh, I sat with the men uh, because I didn't speak the language and yeah. I felt comfortable with my ex-husband. Obviously, I didn't know. Uh, the, the people at the party. Yeah. But what was interesting is as the night went on and people were drinking and having a good time, the women gravitated towards me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, we, you know, they became more open and we, mm. we talked and, you know, but I don't mean in the sense that, you know, people were drunk or it, it wasn't like that. It's just that they became more comfortable with, yeah. I, I don't know what that is, but, I find that, you know, sometimes, which kind of maybe goes into my theory that people are sometimes extremely shy. Mm -hmm. And of course, having a little bit of alcohol, then you open up. And these were very lovely women because their husbands were there as well. Um, So, yeah, so I, I, uh, I was the black woman in the town and (laughs) and, um, going to the grocery store. I've had children, you know, run away crying <laughs> about the brown woman wow. and, and because it was so new. And again, yeah. if we put it into context of, you know, 3% foreigners in the country and most of those were from Poland and, and you know, Lithuania. And so, right. uh, you know, being from a faraway country such as Jamaica and then visibly a minority, then right. that, that's a different experience. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then in terms of trying to assimilate, right? Because part of the thing you were talking about in regards to the party was not being able to feel comfortable communicating, learning Icelandic, that, and you're fluent in Icelandic. <laughs> and this is one of those like uphill battles. I mean, many, I've talked to many people, I'm having my own, you know, journey, I call it, just to make it sound better because sometimes it feels like I'm battling. But how did you go about learning the language what kind of techniques did you use did you go to school for it Mm -hmm. yeah so you're I've heard you speak Icelandic and you're doing well my dear (laughs) (laughs) so don't don't be too modest yeah (laughs) um but yeah so Icelandic is a difficult language Uh, I won't lie (laughs) and I I I say to people that you can you know you continue to learn yeah. Uh, I'm still learning all the time something new. Yeah. Uh, I think um, they say that, you know, you're fully Icelandic when you start to dream in Icelandic, which mm. I am doing. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I, I dream in Icelandic and remember vividly, like in my dream, I was probably cursing at somebody or speaking in Icelandic. <laughs> so I'm, I've arrived. <laughs> but 
But um, so I went to a one course for um, for Icelandic uh, for foreigners mm-hmm. uh, just shortly after I arrived here. And then I didn't want to do anymore, which okay. is, you know, you probably can go up to six levels of Icelandic. And yeah. what I wanted to do was to go to school um, to learn in Icelandic. And I know that was super ambitious of me. <laughs> But uh, I did that. And then, you know, in my early days as well, what I did was um, I had this, uh, I was eager to learn Icelandic. And I think it came from my curiosity, my curiousness. I'm very mm-hmm. curious. I want to know what people are saying around me. And so what I did was I bought two, um, what do you call it? Like uh, books, Dictionary? you know, like, no, like, um, a notebook or notebooks. Well, yeah. <laughs> see, I'm thinking about it. I was going to say, you're probably thinking in Icelandic. That's happened to me. I'm like, oh my yes, God. Yes, yes. Well, there I? you go. You've <laughs> arrived. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I uh, bought myself two notebooks, a very tiny one and a really big one. Okay. And what I would do, what I did was make my own dictionary. Uh, oh. And how I went about that was, um, I, I literally marked the book from A to Z <laughs> with the with the Icelandic alphabet, and I would, you know, at first it sounds. I'm sure you had the same experience. At first, when you hear people speaking, it really just sounds like gibberish. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I started. I said, once I start hearing words seep through all that mm. gibberish. It doesn't matter how it's spelled. I'm just gonna write it how I hear it sounds to me. And then I will ask uh, someone whether they recognize this word Mm. and also, you know, what the meaning is and the correct spelling. So I did that and I filled that notebook, the big notebook with it for um, uh, with with how the words uh, sounded to me. Um, And that has helped me actually with pronunciation in Icelandic. Right. Um, and then how, how they're correctly spelled and just what the meaning, the, the meaning of the word. Um, and that, that was a, a great dictionary. I lent it to someone and I don't know what happened to it, but regarding the small, the tiny book. Yeah. I usually kept that on my person. So wherever I went, I would have that on me. And in cases where I've forgotten it, you know, I forgot to bring it with, I, would try my best to write it down in the palm of my hand what the, <laughs> the word is that I heard right. and would try to trans, you know, transfer that to my big dictionary. Uh, I've had some instances where, you know, there was one particular time when I, uh, I wrote down a word in my hand because I heard it repeated so many times mm-hmm. in a conversation that my, uh, my ex-husband was having with his friends. And I thought yeah. to myself, Lord Jesus, how disrespectful he's here. You know, I heard the word again and again and again. So I wrote it down and my face got meaner as he kept saying the word, because at least I know that word in English. Yeah. And, (laughs) and so the word, you know, and I was very upset and uh, on the drive home, he asked me if I was okay. If I liked his friends, I said, I liked your friends. Yes. And uh, you know, he said, is it something wrong? And I said, I just find it very disrespectful that you would be discussing our sex life with your friend. And he said, how, what are you talking about? And I said, <laughs> here it is in my palm. I heard it 
you said sex and sex to sex and sex and sex to sex. <laughs> you see where that's going, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he awesome. started, he started to laugh. And I'm like, so that's funny to you? <laughs> that's, that's funny to you? And he said, no, dear. I was actually saying six and 66. The word for the Icelandic word for six is sex. And I could just crawl into a hole. <laughs> so embarrassed. But, but you know, that's, that's, those are the trials and errors, I would say. And there are many more stories like that, but we won't yeah. get into that. I, but, um, I can definitely see how that would, um, if you don't know, it would trip you up. You'd be like, right? or like even caca, that's still, I mm. laugh at that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I'm just like, we say this to little kids about poop and it means cake yeah. and I say that, right? This is just exactly. so odd. Yeah. <laughs> there are many more instances, but that's yeah. one of the most memorable ones because uh, I was, I tell you, I was very, very upset. Um, but, but yeah, so that's how I did it, um, you know, trying to learn Icelandic. And in addition to that, I decided to enroll in the community college okay. in Selfless where I was. And I did business and economics and, um, uh, studied that in Icelandic and where I needed to make up for my lack thereof, I would be allowed to use English. And, you know, I tried my best not to, to use English as little as I possibly could. That's intense. So you had, so everything was in Icelandic, was the text and the teaching. Yeah, except when I did English classes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that was, that was wow. definitely in English, yeah. Okay. And, but, and they, is, but you know okay. what? In a small town like that, I found that people were extremely helpful. Okay. Um, the librarian, I, I, I want to someday, I hope someday I will see her again and I hope she's all right. But I remember she used to get these, um, get these uh, tapes from the Society for the Blind. And I, w- mm. I could listen to that. It, it helped with listening, mm-hmm. and a lot of things that she did. And I thought that was amazing. And I found that just the, the entire, you know, um, s- staff there, like, you know, they were extremely helpful. I remember yeah. that. So I'm That's always great. grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you bring that up because there's a discussion about that happening. Mm-hmm. There's an article I read recently about how yes. the library doesn't allow just anybody to use audiobooks because they are right. assigned for people who are blind and mm-hmm. they don't plan on changing that rule, even though mm. people of foreign origin here have been saying it yeah. would be such a great help to have oh, access to audiobooks to and not have to buy them. You know, Absolutely. just like take it out from the library. So I don't know yeah, if they're yeah, ever yeah. going to change that, but I think that oh. is something definitely worth. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, maybe I should write an article about that. I think so. Honestly, it really helped me. I remember that I used to sit in this room downstairs uh, in the library where I was left alone to listen to my tapes, and I would write the words and try to pronounce them myself and. That was so helpful. And, and it's like when I went into the library, they knew why I was coming. And it's just like, <laughs> good day in. And then I go down the stairs and go yeah. to <laughs> Yeah, I'll yeah. send you the article that I'm talking about. Yeah, talked about this. please do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And okay, because we're going to get into, I mean, your influence here in Iceland is mm. quite vast. But law. So you're a lawyer and you've made history in Iceland just becoming a lawyer, which is it's pretty fascinating. Um, but I'm wondering what made you inspired to study law in the first place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> that's also an interesting one. Um, so it's something that I've decided, I think, around age 14 that I was going to mm-hmm. do. 
And it's, it, it's not much that went into that decision rather than the fact that I was a huge fan of the practice and Eleanor, you know, you remember that <laughs> yeah, show, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> And the second reason was a teacher of mine who said to me, just in passing, um, I remember that I was on my way uh, into the schoolyard and he was on his way out and he's, he's you know, he was hustling and just he stopped me and he said, I think I had done some debate in the morning or I don't remember what it was about. And he said, Miss Wilson, uh, you should become a lawyer because, you know, you'd be very good at it because you talk so much. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. And I was like, yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> and it just stayed. That yeah. just stayed. Obviously, at that age, I didn't know what kind of lawyer I was going to become or what really being a lawyer was all about just what I saw in the practice it must yeah. be that it must be that exciting um and so I made the decision there and prior to that my I was convinced I was going to be a teacher mainly because okay. my grandfather who uh you know was um, he was a worked as a slave when he was younger and and he um never really had any formal education or no no, no form of education so I would read all his letters for him, even up on, from the age of seven, and wow. write write his letters for him and, and things like that. Um, and he always said that you know, well, he, whenever he wanted me to do anything like that, I I would always know because he would refer to me as teacher, or if I'm outside playing, <laughs> then he would call teacher, you know, and then I'd run in. And I I felt so important reading yeah. Papa's letters and. And writing awesome. Papa's bra- Papa's, uh, you see, I'm saying brave, Icelandic, uh, Papa's <laughs> letters for him. So I was convinced that I was going to be a teacher until the age of 14. <laughs> and then it's and, just like, um, all right, now a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And that one stuck. <laughs> and now, I'm, yeah, now yeah. I'm stuck. So, what you do, so you I can, are a teacher, though. You do also teach in the university. I also, yes, yes. I <laughs> lecture at the, at the <laughs> university. Well, yeah, University of Iceland, University of Reykjavik, and the uh, United Nations Gender Equality School. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So why, why have to choose when you can have both? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I'm sure yeah. Papa would be proud. I yeah, guess. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. and going through law school in Iceland, mm-hmm. how tough was that I mean law school for everybody mm-hmm. you know that yeah. heard who's gone through have been like I'm so happy to be done <laughs> you know it's quite grueling how was it here mm-hmm. was it also like mm-hmm. one of those like huge challenges for you and of course mm-hmm. dealing with legal Icelandic now on top of that yeah so you know I I thought that going through the community college and I remember doing a, a course in um I think it was commercial law or something like that. Just, just you know, basic stuff. But in my yeah. mind, I was doing something great. And I was going to excel in law school because I'm excelling at this commercial law. I'm killing it. <laughs> <laughs> now, imagine my first day entering into law school and going to my first lecture and the teacher opened his mouth. And I'm like, what is this man saying? Oh, no. So for me, it was a, like I've learned regular Icelandic and now I'm also realizing that there is another language like another version of Icelandic that I needed to learn and it pretty much sounded like a brand new language to me wow so I did the same thing again 
which was try to, you know, um, uh, increase my vocabulary uh, in a similar manner as I did before, but at the simultaneously, obviously, studying uh, Icelandic. And I remember before I started school, um, in uh, in before before the, the semester started, I had asked the school in advance if they could give me the book list mm. so I could buy the books and then I would be caught up when the school starts. Right. So I had already kind of, you know, seen what the language looked like. That's good. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, but also hearing it <laughs> is another thing. Yeah. Um, so I kind of started, you know, creating this dictionary. You should see my, my books from my first semester. Uh, they're covered with English texts. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, as time progresses and, uh, I got, you know, more and more into it. But what I always found is that understanding it, uh, you know, was something that I, I still can't explain that to you, but I somehow understood it all. Yeah. Even if I couldn't say it, you know, repeat it all back, I was able to from the, from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and again, don't ask me how, but I just know I know. <laughs> the brain is yeah. an amazing. Which organ. is what I've always said to people that for me, it was easier studying law than learning Icelandic. Right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's if you get Icelandic thing. down, you're basically saying you can do anything. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> it's nice. It's, or you can do anything either way. Uh, that is true. Believe, I meant believe, more like it, when it has yeah. to do with that. When I thought, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But one of the things that I also appreciate was, you know, the fact that it is challenging. I mean, even for me as a person doing it in their second language, and I believe that I was um, the first one in the university to do that, uh, mm. to take a full um, full law degree or in in the second language. Uh, you have people taking, uh, you know, because you have exchange students and, and mm. um, on the master's level, but taking like the the uh, undergrad is is uh, it's not very common. Or right. I was the first one to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're the first person of foreign origin outside of Europe mm-hmm. that went through well, finished law school and got the bar. In yes, Iceland. is that true. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So breaking ceilings all around, not just first woman, but first person of yes, borders yes, outside yes. of Europe, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's just a cool thing to know that this mm. is possible, that people are, like you mentioned, that, you know, learning the language was so mm. difficult, but it ended up being so worth it for you to get yeah. to your dream, which was to get through law school, get mm-hmm. um, the ability to practice here in Iceland. Mm-hmm. But of course you didn't stop there, right? <laughs> Being like, <laughs> as a pioneer, cause, uh, and I'm sure there's much just... more to come. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. what, what, did you have any idea, though, that you mm-hmm. were making history mm-hmm. when you graduated and ended up uh, passing the bar? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> I didn't, mm. actually. Uh, because obviously the focus is on doing the thing and not <laughs> not necessarily yeah. there are other people, or, you know, just because I'm interested in it. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't know. But um, the uh, the sheriff's office or the, you know, district commissioner who uh, the one that is um, uh, issues these kind of your license mm-hmm. who is in charge of issuing the license. He informed me of this. And he also 
uh, I forgot the name of the town, oh, but it's 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 very far away. I think it's in the east. Here, but okay. this, uh, forgive me, anybody like listening Spain, to that? Or somewhere, else. somewhere. I think I, yeah, I but uh, I <laughs> forgot now. Yeah. And uh, he informed me of this, and uh, generally they just send it in the mail, and you get your your certificate, and that's it. And he told me that uh, he would like to bring it to the city, to my office, to give it to me in person, because this is a very special moment. And I was like, wow, that's so generous. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and then, it, yeah, it was brought to me. And um, obviously, you know, the rest, it was in the media and stuff. So Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And mm-hmm. this past summer, you also made partner at your law firm, Rietur. Congratulations yeah. again. It was amazing. You. Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank you. And it's just, as I'm, you know, thinking about all the different things that you're doing and helping to blaze trails, do you feel like Iceland is doing like more to showcase people who are of uh, foreign origin or just, you know, different than what people would normally think of as Icelandic or living in Iceland? in order to show like, hey, we're really happy mm-hmm. and, you know, we have these talented, amazing people that live here. We want you to, mm-hmm. to know and to realize that this is possible as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a very good question because in my view, you know, we uh, currently we have a representation problem mm. <laughs> uh, because I, th- and this is something I've also spoken, you know, spoke about in the media before that we have to be very careful how we portray immigrants in the media is you can either be a victim Mm. or a hero and which is something that I'm also mindful of Uh, I try to use my position and and platform to raise attention to things that we need to um, to you know work on Mm -hmm. Uh, and at the same time also point out other people that you should know about right yeah (laughs) Right. So it's, yeah, that's something that we, uh, have to do. And, and representation, obviously, is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen, you know, real life examples of the positive impact that representation has on people, uh, especially for them to feel empowered here in Iceland. And that mm-hmm. includes myself. You know, women as, uh, have said as much to me that, um, in deciding to pursue a job or a business opportunity, that they overcame their fears um, and self-doubt by reminding themselves that, you know what, if Claudia did it, then so can I. Absolutely. You know? uh, awesome. And so, yeah, and, and I mean, as I said, with respect to myself, I also saw, you know, in my early days, you know, women of diverse background who, and those women inspired me. Right. Uh, and that also helped me to, not give up and, and wanted to pursue my education and then my career. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, whether Iceland is, is probably realizing that, that this problem, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, you know, there are indications of that for certain, uh, because we've done many research on the subject and, you know, I, my firm did one, which, which was, um, uh, it was it was on the basis of a grant that was uh, provided by the immigrant fund, okay. uh, immigrant development fund on um, job opportunities for educated immigrants within the public sector here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so, you know, we, I, I, I guess with that, um, what we've done is, you know, we've, we've basically mapped some of the problems, uh, mm-hmm. that, that needs to be rectified. Uh, and we now understand some of those problems, you know, like the, uh, which basically shows us what the socioeconomic situations of immigrants are and why that is. Right. So we understand that we've mapped, we've mapped the problem. We've under, we understand it now. And what is lacking is, I would say, you know, more le- like legal and policy changes, uh, to make sure that we address the issues that we've outlined. Um, so for me, maybe what I would say is, you know, I'm now more eager to see some action on the mm-hmm. part of the government, uh, since we, we know, you know, we've both identified the problems and the solutions. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Could you just talk a little bit about the type of law you practice? Cause I feel like you're already giving insight into it, but why not decide <laughs> yeah, yeah, in there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No problem. But so I have a master's degree from the University of Reykjavik uh, with a focus on international law. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did that was because, you know, I wanted to have the option if I decide to move away from Iceland, I can mm-hmm. easily jump into, into something. Um, but I specialize here in human rights law with a focus on anti-discrimination cases, mm-hmm. immigration, mm-hmm. refugee law. I also practice uh, criminal law and um, company and insolvency law. No connection <laughs> between any of those, but it's just a matter of interest. Yeah. And, you know, as you know, human rights law covers mm-hmm. just a wide range of protection from right. all sorts of uh, abuses. Um, yeah. So I think that's basically it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And does your human rights, because you talked about refugees, but is it mm-hmm. for anybody, meaning... Icelanders mm-hmm. whose rights might be yeah. violated, foreigners. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah. Again, you know that go, with human rights law, obviously, it goes uh, takes care of anti discrimination mm-hmm. uh, issues and you know fair treatment in court, effective remedy, and just any any protective grounds that uh, you know discrimination covers. Yeah. Are there any mm-hmm. type of Types of cases, meaning types of discrimination that you're seeing mm-hmm. the most of overall, mm-hmm. or is it mm-hmm. so, you know, varied? Yeah. So it, it varies for sure. Um, but one of the things that, uh, is, you know, that comes up quite often, obviously, is, uh, gender based discrimination mm-hmm. and, and violence. Um, one, the, the one that we haven't seen much of, and I suspect with, you know, these legislative changes that have occurred, now in 2018 and hopefully with more awareness of these protections that we'll actually hear more from people about that is uh, on the basis of nationality and and mm. um and ethnicity uh yeah so as i said you know we this obviously again we have to put that in the context of the icelandic population and the change right. thereof and you know the increase in I mean, we haven't seen many of those. Um, there are not many court cases about that. Okay. The committee uh, that deals with uh, anti-discrimination issues on the base of race as well and ethnicity, and nationality, and so on—that was that's newly established, or not n- newly established, but the mandate of the, the committee, which was only for gender equality. Mm-hmm. Uh, was expanded with the new legislation on um, non-discrimination 
so now they take on the, those kind of cases. And so far, there have only been three decisions handed down by that committee mm, with okay. respect to race uh, or nationality discrimination on the job market. Okay. Uh, so uh, hopefully, you know, there is, um, uh, you know, not that because it's not that discrimination isn't happening in right. Icelandic yeah. society. We know that and the researchers here have shown that. But it's a matter of people being aware of the available remedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think people watching this might be mm-hmm. surprised to have heard you say that there's a lot of discrimination regarding gender equality mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. gender-based violence, mainly mm-hmm. because Iceland is heralded as this yeah. gender-equal utopia a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And some mm-hmm. of this, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like it's not true in terms of how much smaller the gap has gotten in comparison to other countries, but it is still an issue. And mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. believe that this is something that is important for people to understand. And of course, people mm-hmm. like yourself who are doing the work to help combat this and to change this is so important. At the same time, we can't skip over acknowledging it just because marketing has made ISIS yeah. seem like, it's all yeah. fixed, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, that's true. No, I mean, we've we've seen our fair share of what uh, that entails with the Me Too movement. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are different women from different uh, sectors uh, came out to express or, you know, to, to talk about their experiences with gender-based discrimination and... Um, and, uh, you know, violence. Right. Um, and... If each sector was more alarming than the next when when you heard those stories and you're aware of the situation of even the more vulnerable group of women, which are women of foreign origin. Right. Because in some instances, of, of course, Icelandic women do have the, uh, you know, do have the, the um, uh, you know, the, the, the help of their, their families and, and friends. And then when you have women coming from faraway country who really don't have access to the same, um, you know, support system, then obviously, you know, the isolation does also do more damage. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yes, this is, this is something. And even now, uh, I think it was earlier today or yesterday I saw, so the prime minister was speaking about that at the, uh, the gender equality forum that's mm. ongoing right now. She was talking about that, that how surprising it is that it has increased so much, um, not just here in Iceland, but just, right. you know, globally, uh, during the pandemic that right. women are experiencing these kind, especially in, you know, close, uh, relationships. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the, the the concerns or the problems that we faced here in Iceland with respect to how these kind of cases are handled in the justice system, uh, a lot of a lot of these um, uh, you know cases with respect to uh, gender uh, based violence, they've been dismissed, not prosecuted. Uh, by the, by the, uh, you know, the prosecutor. And then even if they make it to court, then very few <laughs> comes with a decision of, of, uh, you know, finding in favor of the victim. And so this organization, Stigamot, has mm-hmm. now decided to take 
those cases to the European Court of Human Rights wow. to to say uh, you know just to to have the courts <clears throat> courts uh, you know say and what is happening in Iceland and I think. Uh, if I can remember some statistics that over the last uh, 20 years, the organization Stigamot has had over, what would it, uh, 200 to 250 women who, um, who seek their assistance yeah. because of rape. Ooh. And uh, uh, at least six, only six point, uh, I think just over 6% of those um actually end in a conviction at the at the um uh, at the district court level or the lower court right um and so of course you know it's another thing that only a fraction of those women actually uh, pursue mm-hmm. pursue their cases or press charges with the police so you know when you look at it, it's not so just so I'm clear about the statistics. So it's 200 to 250 women over the last 20 years that have, you know, sought assistance because of rape from Stigamo, the organization. Mm-hmm. And most of those women do not press charges. Mm-hmm. So and then of the number of women who actually go through and their cases mm-hmm. reach the court and a decision is made or a judgment is handed down, only six point around to say 6.5 percent who actually end up in conviction so that's a problem yeah i mean that that's a people addressing. wanting to come forward right precisely if you feel like nothing's which is going to happen exactly which is what the this case is about and my firm is heading this um this this uh, the litigation in that case yeah. before the european court of human rights uh, just to try to get some resolve as to what is happening and what needs to change in the in the in the justice system, so that women can actually feel yeah. like they are getting justice, or as you say, not be discouraged from coming forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. On another note, in terms of so about refugees, because this is a mm-hmm. high. Uh, profile case happening now and of course we're not going to mm-hmm. try yeah, to talk no about any particular cases that you're doing mm-hmm. but just in terms of that I mean, because this has become mm-hmm. quite an issue in Iceland meaning mm-hmm. there have been plenty of high profile cases especially yes. over the last within the uh, COVID period even I think yeah. at least three that have come up that it's been really high mm-hmm. profile and I'm just wondering in terms of the law and the different issues that people are coming up against for refugees I mean is it really difficult to get mm-hmm. the ability to stay in Iceland if you come and seek asylum. Yeah. So I think it varies. Obviously, each, you know, when you're dealing with um, applications for international protection, they are, uh, you know, decided on an individual basis. Okay. And so there's no two cases alike. Uh, so the circumstances will sometimes, you know, be better in one case, even though the, the applicants are from the same country mm-hmm. um, versus, you know, the other one. But that being said, I fu- what I've found throughout the years, and I've been doing this for a couple of years now, um, is that the processing of these cases seem to be in decline. Mm. That you know, how the cases are processed and just following the law 
uh, that is, and for some people listening to this, I might sound very biased saying that, mm-hmm. but I can, you know, but I can say that um, just being able to see the difference between, between, you know, throughout the years, what has happened, that, that, that there is a much, um, I want to say, the policy seemed to be dictating Mm. how the decisions are made. And so Iceland is going more to a more conservative uh, stance on this issue. And so you find that uh, cases that would have, you know, been a no brainer three years ago is not the same uh, today. They're not decided in the same way. Uh, And so in addition to that, we, you know, the system, the, the system somewhat changed with the, um, uh, I think it was 2015, mm-hmm. where a special committee was, uh, was, you know, put in place to handle the appeals of, mm-hmm. of, um, uh, refugee cases or applications for international protection. And the statistics there, I mean, there, that's just fact that it's it's much different than when the committee wasn't there right, are many uh, good there are many things that is good about having the committee because you know we find that the cases are treated much faster but the statistic is this that you know a large the the majority of the people don't get the right um to stay anymore uh or get a positive decision uh you know versus similar cases before yeah. the committee was established. Okay. So there, and then the, the same committee is also uh, in charge of deciding whether after rejection, if you are allowed to stay in Iceland for the court to hear your case. Mm. And in, in the last four years, 88% of those applications have been rejected. Wow. So it, it again, you know, yeah. the, the stats don't lie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, I think, yeah, I think maybe just you know, yeah, uh, the 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 law itself needs to be revised mm-hmm. um, because there are you know there are certain um, things there that uh, perhaps it doesn't allow for equal and fair treatment of 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 the the similar cases, and so that's mm-hmm. something that needs to be looked at. Um, I am currently in the process of, you know, um, submitting a couple of test cases, as I call them, because I'm trying to look at how it will benefit applicants for international protection as a whole, right. uh, based on some of these decisions that are being made. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm looking at that at the moment. Do you think Iceland kind of follows what some other Nordic countries are doing or... Mm-hmm. You know, because there's a lot of fear about allowing refugees in, and this mm-hmm. whole idea around, you know, either they'll make trouble or, or whatever mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering because there are, like, mm-hmm. I, I was reading an article about Iceland it being second mm-hmm. when it comes to the amount of, I think, approved applications for asylum seekers mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. Sweden, but it's still like mm-hmm. 31% or something really low, right? Have <laughs> you yeah, taken to yeah, a whole, like, yeah. Nordic countries. Yeah. You, yeah. you feel like it's kind of like this, yeah. you know. So the, that's also, that's, that's also somewhat misleading because mm-hmm. I think the stats you're referring to is that Iceland, uh, you know, granting international protection, the numbers went up 
significantly or drastically mm. because of the fact that Iceland was granting many Venezuelans uh, international uh, protection. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so it doesn't change the fact that we're not doing exceptionally great. It's just that for that particular period uh, and for the last couple of years that, that yeah. you know, we've the case. That, so it kind of, you know, um, uh, it kind of inflates the number mm-hmm. quite a bit. And so, you know, that's put out there as this, as you know, look how great we're doing. Uh, that being said, you know, Iceland, uh, you know, we're, Iceland is definitely doing, um, a lot of good things mm-hmm. when it comes to, to, you know, um, protection for applicants, um, for internet, when it comes to, uh, protecting international, applicants for international protection, like, where's my brain going? <laughs> um, because we also have the quota refugee program and, right. you know, every year gradually the, that number is going up as to how many are, uh, received, um, annually. So there are, you know, and, um, I think with respect to, treatment of uh, applicants for international protection obviously there are things that need you know to be improved mm-hmm. uh, and and by far it's not perfect right. but in comparison to many other countries they're doing better or iceland mm-hmm. is doing better so there are some uh, you know positives there but what we need to do is i think with respect to the situation of children who are applicants mm. for international protection. And I find, obviously, I mean, the entire nation is right now very upset because right. of the case that is, is currently in the media, uh, where you have a child, you know, living here for years and then you are, was born here and yeah. has no, no right to stay here right. uh, after so many years. So that's something that we need to, to address right. and, and, Preferably sooner than later, because right. this is happening again and again and again. Uh, you've seen some of the cases that I've had also in the right. media, and, and it's always something to do with the rights of the child. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, and it's funny. It's good that to have you to ask a lawyer to to interpret mm. an article because you're right. Like, yes, I, I wouldn't have known that this number mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. has a background that if you understand mm-hmm. it, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, putting yeah, in yeah, context yeah. this way, mm-hmm. now I mm-hmm. get a better mm-hmm. idea of what the future <laughs> really looks like. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And regarding discrimination, because every, you know, you're obviously helping people with this, but have you experienced mm-hmm. any discrimination, yeah. whether it was, you know, in your past in Salfos or mm-hmm. in the present? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've always said that, you know, uh, so, so the the simple answer is yes to both those questions. Yes in the past and yes in the present. Yeah. But the only thing that may is perhaps different from many other people is that, you know, being in this position, I am I am, you know, it doesn't make me immune. While it doesn't make me immune to discrimination. What it does is, you know, it gives me the voice and the tools to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, I, I don't know if I've shared this story before, but, you know, I, I recently tried to get my eyelashes done <laughs> and, uh, I was informed indirectly that, uh, you know, it couldn't be done because there are certain, 
oils in my eyelashes as a black person that would um, that doesn't <laughs> that makes it more difficult to work with me. Right. Yeah. I don't. Even and so know you know, again, knowing what I know and how to deal with this situation, obviously, I I will do something about that. Right. Um. And uh, so so you know, it's just like okay. Uh, are we going to do this? <laughs> like, is this really happening right now? <laughs> is this really happening in 2020? Yeah. And, and, you know, in a situation like that, then you start to, to also think, you know, okay, obviously I don't want to, uh, it's not, I'm not doing this for the purpose of revenge yeah. because I'm far removed from that. I'm, I want to do it for the, you know, do something about it for the purpose of educating and also, you know, one for the person to be aware, like, you know, okay, you might want to reconsider that also to hear what the committee has to say about that. Because mm. a committee like that, which I've also criticized, is that you have, I think, about five Icelandic people on that committee, none of which have, uh, um, uh, or not all of them, have uh you know this the, the expertise and the speciality in in non-discrimination issues mm. or equality issues and none have it in terms of race uh, or you know national discrimination and so you will so it's going to give me answers for three things obviously you know if 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 it's to educate this individual that okay that's not allowed the position of the committee are they equipped to deal with cases like this because you know this is one would say uh, maybe more overt racism you know sorry you know you know you know what i mean like yeah but um um but yeah so it's you know it's the 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 third thing is obviously is the law working like it mm. should Mm-hmm. And how do we handle these these kind of uh, kind of issues going forward? So it will definitely bring about a much needed discussion. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I was I would hope and, and wish that I wasn't the subject of the discussion. Right. Yeah. That I'm removed from it, but I also think that it's it's an important discussion to have. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you're a part of a lot of different organizations in Iceland. I don't know how you keep it all going with your law firm, your teaching, yeah. you're oh, part of Lord. all these organizations, like <laughs> chapter of, uh, Iceland's chapter of Amnesty International, Women, and so many mm. others. I mean, I'm not even going to ask you how you juggle it all, because you have children <laughs> and a husband as well, so I won't oh, even go Jesus. there. But <laughs> don't, don't ask him anything about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of like in, the importance, because you just mentioned like this committee, for instance, mm-hmm. that... Um, does not necessarily have all of the necessary skills to be able to judge, you know, these cases in a way that would maybe, you know, help them understand why this specific thing is important mm-hmm. to, you mm-hmm. know, go further mm-hmm. with and mm-hmm. have some action. Why do you think it's important maybe, you know, for, for you to be on these organizations and are, mm-hmm. are any other places where you would like to be yeah. or be yeah. a part of in order to kind of help push mm-hmm. more change forward yeah yeah so what i've found is you know my work on certain committees and so on is that i bring fresh perspective and ideas and you know i am able to uh yeah just i'm not in the bubble of being icelandic and this is my reality i come from different cultural background with experiences and knowledge that i can 
you know, even though I came here pretty young, <laughs> I still, it, it's still there. It's some, right. it's, you know, it's somewhat inherent that you, you are who you are, you know, based on uh, your surroundings and also just nature nurture, if you will. But, but so I'm able to, I think, and, and I've proven that I've, I've, I'm able to do that because I've had situations where people say, and not these committees that, yeah. you know, like amnesty or just not, not these ones, but other Icelandic base committees um, where they're making decisions, whether it's uh, government mandated decisions or, or, or so on. But um, yeah, I've heard people say, wow, I didn't think of it like that. Thank you. So that's also very important that I find that people are open to, uh, to, to what I have to say and the fresh perspective that I might bring to a discussion or a decision to be made. Um, and that's important because it's, again, it comes full circle with the representation. If you're not at the table, right. You know, you have no say in the matter. And I, I, you know, I've, I'm, it's, it's a, it's a phrase or an expression by, I think the, the say, uh, the organization for disabled persons here where they said nothing about us without us. Um, mm. and so it's the same. You cannot, you know, you cannot expect to dictate what our rights and obligations should be without inviting us to take part in those kind of discussions. Um, and so it, that's why it's important to me to be in the room where it happens. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree sense. a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to wrap this up because we've talked about yeah. so many things and I, oh, I my really goodness. appreciate all of your insight. <laughs> yeah. But I have one last question for you. Sure. And that is, what is your favorite Icelandic word <laughs> or phrase? <laughs> oh, Lord. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's um, it's a word I or phrase I have come to love but hated it always because it was I felt like Jesus Christ. Um, so it's like tataretest, you know, <laughs> it will it will work out. Um, and I thought that people were overly optimistic about everything, you know. So people are conservative and shy, but nonetheless, they're very. Open, you know, optimistic about everything. Yeah. Everything will work out. Don't okay. worry too much. And one would think me coming from Jamaica, that would sh- that should probably be my thing. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, no worries, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, I'm a worrier. Uh, so, <laughs> and a planner. Uh, you play. I, I can conversation. You're definitely on top of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Virgo, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, you're but, a burger. Okay, that explains a lot, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then, uh, yeah, I guess that's it, you know, and I've come to realize that, you know what? It's actually true. In the end, what are you going to do? It's, yeah. it will work itself out. Whether you like the outcome or not, it, it will always work itself out yeah. somehow. So true. I guess that's it for me. <laughs> Absolutely. I've had a, a love-hate relationship with this as well. Just because I felt oh, like yeah? people were pushing off things and yes. then being like, it'll be fine. And that part yes. I didn't resonate with. And I actually talked about this with like some other people as well that like, I, you know, you got to take on your own meaning of it as a foreign person just to mm-hmm. be like, yeah, this is how I feel yeah. like that you know? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. That's actually true too. Yeah. yeah. I've seen it many times. That's true. It works out. Yes. Yeah. So Claudia, I, again, 
so honored to have you, your experience, oh. sharing your origin story in terms of like where you came from and, and here and just, again, insight too on how things are in the country. Just from a standpoint of a person who is working to fight for people's human rights, which I'm so grateful for, mm-hmm. and also helping to show, be one of the representatives of the amazing people that live in Iceland and who are just, nothing's stopping you. You're, you're doing what, <laughs> it, what it is that you want and you love and you feel passionate about. And mm-hmm. I know that's inspiring so many people, including myself. So I appreciate oh, you, you so much for coming on. Oh, you inspire me too. So oh, thank, thank you. you for that. And keep up the good work showcasing Iceland in all its glory. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Bye, dear.